What is happening, ladies and gentlemen? It is episode 92 of the Movie Maniacs podcast. We are heading that way to episode 100. And we've got quite a lot to break down, a lot to discuss on this episode of the show. I don't know exactly what the runtime will be by the time I'm done talking, but I'm going to take a guess and say it's going to be a bit of a bigger show than what I've been doing recently, 35 to 45 minute episodes. We've got a lot more to cover here. I've seen two headliner films to talk about, and then we've also got a little bit of a behind the scenes of Hollywood uh, something that I think is worth discussing since this is a movie podcast and we don't just talk about movies. I'm also here to talk about kind of the business behind it and some of the drama that is bound to pop up, not necessarily gossip stuff like who's getting, you know, you know, like who like celebrity dating habits. Not, that's not really what I'm here to talk about, but something interesting that happened last week was the uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard situation that kind of reignited, and I was aware of Johnny Depp's issues before that happened. I uh, back in the day when I was getting into movies for the first time, Johnny Depp was my favorite actor. All started with that first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. That performance uh, remains. I think a hall of fame performance for me, at least in terms of you know, how much fun that performance is, but also just like, like how clearly he put his heart and soul into that performance. To me, it's a, uh, a, a masterful performance, even though, you know, it is a blockbuster film, a blockbuster performance. I don't think that we should discredit those types of performances by any means, because that is discrediting a whole type of acting to me, when it comes to blockbuster ad, ad, acting, you've got your Robert Downey Jr.'s, your Tom Cruise's, and then you got your Johnny Depp's. And Johnny Depp was and kind of still is that actor for me who, I don't know, something about his style, Edward Scissorhands, even Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, What's Eating Gilbert Grape. He's got some great performances out there that I really, really enjoy. And when I heard... You know, as because I was learning about him, I heard you know that he had had this really bad divorce with Amber Heard, and it was nasty. He ended up losing quite a bit of money. Then you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, he got kicked out of that franchise by Disney. He got kicked off Fantastic Beasts, which you know we'll be talking about that when Judy and I jump back on that retrospective. I I began. I, he kind of got canceled. It was almost one of the early. Early, early cancelings of of the culture. I think. I think it was one of the ones that we almost forgot about. Now he's back, and he has have been had like a big film since Crimes of Grindelwald, and that even wasn't very well received. He's very much disappeared from from pop culture, from the fan base. You could say, even though I think that you know, the day-to-day person who knows about that incident, most likely they're going to tell you, yeah, he, that wasn't a good, I, that wasn't a good thing. I mean, I listened, uh, when I, when I started hearing about it, I listened to the audio tapes that had come out of Amber Heard admitting she threw a tequila bottle at Johnny Depp, severed his finger. She had struck him several times it's pretty evident if you're at all saying that, oh, no, Johnny Depp, he's a big abuser. She didn't throw a single blow. Go and listen 
to those audio tapes. They're out on YouTube and you can go find them there. The information is out there for the public and it's clearly the case that Johnny Depp was not the abuser in this relationship. It was Amber Heard. That was very clear to me. Now, I, I do. I'm not saying Johnny Depp should strike the woman back. That's very immature, obviously, and I think that we can all agree on that. But as a man, I don't know if Johnny Depp necessarily handled this the best way possible. Obviously, Johnny Depp's not a perfect person. He's made comments I don't agree with. You know, he's obviously uh, had a lot of alcohol issues in the past. You can see if you watch the trial and how it's taking place so far. It's honestly stunning because it's a complete destruction, in my opinion, of the idea of the Hollywood actor. And 2022, it's been a bit of a tragic year for the actor, especially the man actor. But something I'm almost thankful for is it's kind of – I'm hoping that this is opening people's eyes to the fact that actors – are human, first off. And in a way, they are far more messed up and broken than the people that they are trying to lead, trying to influence. Uh, This is becoming more and more apparent now. I mean, Will Smith, the Will Smith incident, which is thankfully fading away from pop culture, we're kind of moving past that at this point, and I'm glad. But what that instant to me really showed, and what I think the big takeaways was, is that man, this is a Hollywood is a broken place, full of broken people who don't have self control, don't have their emotions in check, have fallen victim to the certain way that Hollywood is run. Will Smith is clearly a, you know, a partner with a very controlling woman. That's become very apparent. You know, Jada Pinkett Smith. I don't think much of her. After that whole incident, I think less of her than I, I, I wasn't even aware of her before, but my opinion of her is very low after that event took place because a lot has come out and it's clear to me that Will Smith is in a very controlling relationship with Jada Pinkett. We're seeing that similar thing come into fruition with this Johnny Depp and Amber Heard thing. Now, Amber Heard, I think, has some mental issues I'm not sure what her deal is. Amber Heard, quite frankly, is not a good actress. I want to make that very clear if you're wanting me to take a critic approach to this. Amber Heard is a bad actress. She never has been that good. Go watch the Aquaman films. She is a dead weight in that film. Jason Momoa is just trying his hardest (laughs) to give some chemistry with her, and it's not working. The fact of the matter is she's not very good. A part of the reason she is a name to begin with is because of Johnny Depp. I watched a bit of this trial. I've seen clips. I've seen pieces. I haven't like sat down and watched the whole day one trial, the whole day two. I'm, I don't have the time for that. That's not what I'm interested in spending my time on. But I have seen clips and some of the big moments that have taken place in this trial. One that stuck out to me as just kind of like, oh, well, that's interesting to think about, isn't it? Is this, the moment where one of the lawyers – is is uh, you know prosecuting Johnny Depp or interviewing him, and he goes, you, know, you Johnny Depp have been in many a film, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, Edward Scissorhands, and he kind of lists off a few films of his, you know, such and such, and then he gets Miss Heard is also 
a, a an actor. She has been in such films as you know, Secret Window, a couple others, and then he it finishes off with Aquaman, and Johnny Depp interrupts him and says, "Yeah, and who do you think got her that role?" And it was kind of like an oh, well that's interesting, right? I mean. I think it's kind of public knowledge that Johnny Depp was the driving force in Amber Heard getting that role. He had a lot of influence, obviously, in that community. Him being married to her, obviously, he did that. And very interesting, one of the only reasons Amber Heard is a name is because she is an Aquaman. That was just kind of an interesting thing of of note to me. There have been some shenanigans with Johnny Depp that I don't necessarily agree with during this trial. I've heard the theory thrown out a couple times. Howard Stern said it, uh, which I found interesting. And I've heard it from a couple other people. Uh, this looks very, very staged, uh, almost not staged, almost like acting by Johnny Depp. Like it's people have said it's his it's his last performance almost like he's doing some sort of acting job and i found that to be an interesting an interesting theory an interesting idea and one that i'm not necessarily going to say is wrong the bit that i watched from the trial was him almost reciting or like a reenacting excuse me reenacting the suicide attempt of his mother he talks about a lot in the first day of the trial his, you know, his childhood, his mother moving around all the time, and the issues that she had mentally, uh, some abuse there, and he stands up in the stand. He stands up and he like wobbles and he like he like wobbles to demonstrate she was like oh he's like oh she was falling on the table and he like leans over and he's like lurching. He's giving like an acting performance and I was like. This is a little silly, almost a little acted out, I would say. Almost like this was planned. I that kind of had me raise an eyebrow as to what exactly, you know, he was doing here, what he and his team were doing because honestly, I think Johnny Depp has this case in in the hat. I think he's got it, right? I mean, I don't see how he couldn't. To me, the evidence is clear. I'm going to be very like skeptical, very angry, perhaps not angry, but skeptical if he doesn't win. He's suing her for a lot of money, and it's money I question Amber Heard even having, quite frankly. We'll see. I, she got a lot of money off of him. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but to me, it's clear he's likely going to win. There have been a couple instances where I thought that he was being a little dramatic, but there are also a couple instances where I thought that vulnerability came through, and I had... You know, I'm not going to say I admired him showing that vulnerability, but it was something that made me go, I think that this guy, he's got his issues for sure, but I think he's on the right side of the court on this one in terms of him having this, uh, to me, very open vulnerability that I could connect to. Maybe I'm being fooled. I'm not going to throw that out the window. It is a possibility that... This is completely, you know, an acting job by him and a very desperate attempt, such and such. But I truly believe that his life has been ruined by what this woman has done to him. And it was just so fascinating, like, listening to him talk, reading off these accusations 
what he had lost. And you look at the evidence here. This is what Amber Heard has clearly done. She threw a bottle at him, severed his finger. She apparently took a dump in his bed on purpose as like an act of rebellion. That is insane to me. Like this, guys, these are the type of people in Hollywood taking dumps in their lover's beds as an act of like the middle finger or something. Like this is insane. And then she has clearly struck him several, several times. And she's admitted it on tape. It the the guys, the recordings are out there. I'm not saying anything new if you're like, oh, I thought he was guilty. No, it's clear. She has struck him several times. He, I don't believe that he has struck her. So I want to get that out of the way. I think that Johnny Depp is the clear victor here in terms of, of the moral side. But it was insane to me, threw a tequila bottle at him, which caused a his finger to be severed, took a dump in his bed, and struck him several times. Guys, if a if this was a man he would probably be in jail. This is not a sexist thing I'm I'm saying. It is simply the truth. Like, if a man was accused of throwing a bottle at a woman, severing her finger, then taking a dump in her bed as like a, a petty act, and then striking her across the face several times, oh my gosh, I mean, never would we like even speak of this person in any kind way. It, jail, possibly. I mean, it's just you. You see what I'm trying to get at here. When you swipe genders, it's a very interesting, you know, reflection. You could say. And now I believe that a man has certain. He, he has a certain right to, or not a right to, but a. He needs to. I don't know how to put it. How to? He needs to stand up for himself. You know, and when you've got a man taking all of this at one at a certain way i respect it because you're not letting anger control you but in another way uh i i believe that this could have been handled better in some way i'm not sure what exactly but johnny depp looks very very broken he looks bad he looks out of shape his hair is a mess he doesn't look good and it's sad to me to see this man who I used to have a lot of respect for in terms of what he did as an actor, and in a way still do. But, you know, obviously, you know, it's clear this is a, a, far from a perfect person. He's got his issues. He's said things that I don't agree with. I don't dislike him for sure. And I, I sympathize with his case. But it's fascinating to me to see so far, what are we, five months in? Five months into 2022. We have had these two major incidents of this this destruction of the idea of an actor. Back in the day, Will Smith, Johnny Depp, these were names that, you know, like were like like they were like perfect. Like they were perfect beings and they were awesome, right? And they were just like, man, Johnny Depp, that's a bad man. You know what I'm saying? It, I don't know if that was exactly the best way to put it, but you get what I'm saying. Like, we have this idea of the Hollywood actor where they're perfect, they are like they're awesome, they're cool, you know, and they're just the perfect guy or the perfect woman. Guys, these are false things. And I I think that this is showing us the Will Smith thing, the Johnny Depp thing. 
there are a lot of broken people in Hollywood that is starting to come out. And I'm very, it's not something that I'm necessarily like happy that it's, that it's being shown. Like I'm not happy Will Smith went up there and struck Chris Rock and he's in this controlling relationship. I'm not happy that Johnny Depp lost his career because of this, of this crazy woman. I'm not happy for these things. What I am hoping is that this bad, these bad events are going to show people we got to stop investing so much into these people who have like are mega stars in their 20s any person who's a mega star in their 20s is not going to turn out right when they're in their 50s like it's very rare it's very very rare like only a couple come to mind like Brad Pitt Leonardo DiCaprio and these are dying types of actors these are actors who, like Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio they've managed to keep their dignity you could say when Brad Pitt went through that nasty divorce with Jolie. It was very, like, it's out there, but it was hush-hush, right? This is very public. What's happening with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, it is a public thing. Johnny Depp is pouring his heart out in front of the world. That is a very insane idea that this guy is coming up on the stand talking about all these issues he's had in his childhood. The, the level of vulnerability that is being displayed here, it may not be bad, but it's certainly destroying this idea that we have of the of the leading man, of the actor, you could say. Actors like, you know, Charles Bronson or, oh my gosh, like, like Sam Jackson. Like, you think of, like, you know, bad A actors, right, like who were cool. These actors are fading, and the actors that we do we used to think were cool, well, now you're kind of beginning to see they're not as cool as you thought. Anyway, uh, look, to summarize this whole thing, I believe Johnny Depp was innocent. I'll be shocked if he doesn't win. Is there a couple sketchy things with his acting? Yes, but, I mean, good God, Amber Heard is absolutely nuts. Like, you look at her, she's like, the next day she wore the thing, that the, the same suit Johnny Depp, wore the day before, like, this is a, a psycho lady, like, it is insane to me how anybody can stand by Amber Heard and say, this lady's got it together, absolutely not, she does not have it together, it's clear, the evidence is out there, go find it up, I'm not gonna pull up the footage for you, listen, the big takeaway that I want to leave you guys with on this discussion, because this is kind of a dour thing to talk about, and with the Oscars, I kind of ended that episode on a semi-dour note, and I didn't feel good about it. I want to talk about these really good movies in a minute and dive into all of that. We're going to get the bad stuff out of the way. And it's that this concept that we have of leading actors being awesome, like this kind of uh, stereotype that we have for actors, it's fading away. It's it's starting where I hope I'm hoping people are starting to realize that this is not a realistic a realistic expectation to have for anybody. Nobody is as good as what people claimed like Charles Bronson or Steve McQueen was. Steve McQueen hit women across the face and Charles Bronson was a belligerent alcoholic. Like there are like a lot of issues with these people, and you and it's kind of one of those things where normally you find out about it in like their biography or something like, holy crap, like this was a crazy dude. He didn't have it together. All of that stuff come, normally comes out post 
their lifetime, this stuff is starting to come out in the middle. And that's interesting. It's interesting to see that while these actors are living, these horrible realizations are coming out about them where you realize they don't have it together. To me, that's something very interesting. And I'll leave this whole topic on that note. And it's that. The idea, the stereotype, the cliche, whatever you want to call it, of the Hollywood leading actor, it's fading. And I believe that this case is one of many to come, not many, not necessarily cases, but of instances, where maybe we're going to start to see actors, actresses, these are people who we put so much on, we say they're so great, they tell us you know, do better. Like I look at me, I'm winning the Oscar. I've got it together. How about you, you know, living down there trying to make a living? You go get it together. You know, like these are people trying to lead us as the, apparently they are better, right? I mean, apparently they've got it together and we don't. To me, we're starting to see instances of that not being the case. And to me, that's as I've been following this case over the week, that's been the big takeaway that I've gotten is man, these people are not as well put together or as solid as they may claim. I'm not saying they're bad people. Johnny Depp isn't a bad person. I don't think Will Smith is a bad person. But we got to start realizing that these people are not as perfect as we claim they are. We got to stop looking up to these people because that leads to nothing but disappointment and unrealistic expectations. And the expectations that we've put upon them are clearly starting to shatter as we're seeing more of these instances be brought out into the public. That's the big takeaway that I'll leave you guys with on this particular instance. Now let's move past the weird actor drama and all that because that's not really (laughs) what I want this episode to be focused on. Guys, we were in a bit of a slump post the Batman, then we had Ambulance, and it was pretty fun. Now things are starting to pick up the pace. We're starting to get really good movies again, and I just saw two of the best movies I've seen in a while. It has been a while since I have seen two movies this good that have come out this recently. I'm going to start off by talking about the oldest of these releases, and that's Everything Everywhere All at Once, which recently came out a couple weeks ago for me in Arkansas. And I'm an A24 fan. I like all of their films, not exactly at the same level. Certain films like The Eighth Grade, I'm not as big of a fan of, but certain films like Ex Machina, Come On, Come On. I love these films. Hereditary, Midsummer. you guys get what I'm saying. I love what this studio has done. They've made some of the most incredible, innovative films Uh, of the past couple decades. I mean, they've just been on a roll and they are just continuing to pick up the pace and are getting better and better each time. This trailer instantly grabbed me in terms of the potential that it had, the weird multiverse idea that they were tackling. It It was compelling to me. I also saw a clear way for them to tell an emotionally impactful story as well. I saw a lot of these, oh, a lot of ways for this to work. And I was disappointed that it didn't come to me as quickly as it did, you know, some of the other bigger states. Arkansas, I guess, is not a clear focus. Uh, But a couple weeks ago, it finally came out in theaters. I saw it three days ago. Holy cow. This is an absolutely bonkers 
film. Absolutely bonkers. And I went in thinking this was going to be a, a, a crazy, wild film. I knew all of that going in. But I did not expect it to be near the the way it was just so wild. I did not expect it to go to that level. I mean, it broke whatever expectations I could have. And it shocked me. And I've seen a lot of weird films. This has got to be maybe the weirdest film. I Probably the weirdest film I've seen in theaters. And... Man, man, oh man, I've got to give the Daniels a round of applause because the level of creativity that these two have demonstrated with this film, I'll now I'm going to watch whatever they do in the future. Swiss Army Man, uh, The Death of Dick Long, whatever. Uh, I don't know what's up with that title, but I'm going to check out what these guys do from here on out because this film is honestly so crazy in its level of creativity and pace action cinematography the the pulse they have on the themes and emotion it's insane to me each aspect of this film works now i have a couple of qualms to pick with it and i'll mention those later but overall this is an incredible film one that i hope to rewatch at some point it's just that good and it's a two and a half hour long film it is a heavy film but I was never once ready for the movie to wrap up. I loved every second of it. And man, A24, they are continuing to do new things, continue to innovate. Just when you think that they're kind of being a little bit generic with their with, with, their, with their style, you could say. Um, man, oh man, it is just insane to me the level of craziness that this film goes and I, it, it all goes to them. The performances are great. The music, that is all well and good. But the Daniels, they need to be given the credit because they are what make this film work. They're behind the script, directing. The, the director has a finger in every pie. It's a credit to them. They were able to bring in clearly all these incredible people and make this action-packed, weird crazy, creative, innovative, fun film. Like it's, there's so many words you could use to describe everything everywhere all at once. Man, you you just really got to give it the credit all to them because they are really what brought in all of these elements to make the movie work. And I want to start with the acting here because we have Michelle Yu, who I believe was in Shang-Chi last year. I wasn't particularly familiar with her, but man, I mean, come on, this has got to be a Best Actress nominee, right? I mean, come on. This is a powerhouse performance by her. She has to do so much in this movie. She is the caring force behind the entire thing. She's she's bringing in a certain dry comedy, emotion, this cynicism, this kind of underlying bit of darkness that's in her. And she conveys all of these complex emotions in such a beautiful performance. I don't see how this doesn't get any recognition because this is going. This was a surprise Oscars contender. I knew this was going to be a good movie, but the level of reception that it's gotten. I mean, right now this is the highest rated film on Letterboxd, at, sitting at a four point six over Parasite. People are loving this movie. The people who are going to see it are loving it. It's been heavily praised 
I think this is going to be a big Oscar contender, possibly a Best Picture nominee, maybe for score, sound, uh, I mean, cinematography. I mean, like I said, every aspect of this movie just works so well that I don't see how this doesn't become a heavily Oscar-nominated film, and it really has taken critics by storm, and even audience, like general audiences, are finding enjoyment here, whether it's the action or the themes or just the visual spectacle. Audiences are loving this film too. They're actually getting into the level of weirdness, the weirdness that this movie is movie is going for. Now, this is not going to be a film for certain people. I went to go see this with my mother. She appreciated this movie, but she did not love this movie. I could tell it's understandable. This is not going to be a film for everyone. You know, there's a lot of everything's here, everywhere. It's not for everyone. That's not one of the words you're going to use to describe it. So I do want to make that clear that this, while it is very good, a lot of people are loving it. This may not be the film for you. It goes to such an insane level of bonkers and a level of where you're going to have to stretch a little bit. You're going to have to stretch your brain to connect with this movie, not only on a story level, but on a thematic level. There is a scene in this movie of literally two rocks on a mountain overlooking the sunset and like dialogue bubbles, no sound at all, just dialogue bubbles popping up next to the rocks to show what they're saying. That's not going to be something that everybody's going to love. I thought it was crazy. I was like, oh my gosh. And I actually was like getting into the emotion. The dialogue bubbles were like sparking some emotion in me. I was connecting with what this film was going for. But that's also because that I've had a fair share of weird films. Now, maybe not quite as weird as this, but I have had my experience with weird films. I am able to to take that stretch, to take that leap. That's not me patting myself on the back. That's just saying that people who you know are, are who are very general and easygoing with their movie experiences and aren't hardcore movie fans. This may not be something that they enjoy. Now, I can think of a lot of people who are going to enjoy this movie that I know. But I can also think of a lot of people I know who aren't. So I want to make that clear. This is a film that isn't necessarily, I won't say it's for me, but it's one that I can connect to and one that I can go with because I've had some experience in this level of weirdness. I've seen quite a few A24 films. I haven't seen all of them. But if you've seen a lot of A24 films, you know kind of that playing field that you're going to be getting into. They haven't made a film that's like, basic in any way like it's either complex emotionally creatively story-wise like they've they're always doing something that's outside of the box with their films this is no different this is perhaps the weirdest a24 film i have seen and they've been a lot of weird films but michelle Yu, she knocks it out of the park with i think a potentially oscar winning oscar nominated performance stephanie Hisu, I'm probably saying that wrong, and I'm very sorry. Uh, who, but she plays a Jawang Wang and Jobu Tabaku, and she is playing the main character's daughter in a very complex performance. One that I was not expecting this movie to be tackling necessarily, and it ended up being perhaps the core of the film in many ways. I think that many people can exit this film and say. Oh, this was the core. The, this was the heart of the film for me. Or and somebody can say something completely different. Oh, this was the heart of the film for me. Everybody can have a different 
level of appreciation for a certain chord that this movie has. It's got a lot of them. I think a lot of people are going to be walking out of this movie and saying that the mother and daughter relationship, that dynamic, was the heart of the movie for them. I can see, I think that that's probably the biggest heart, but it's not necessarily the one that I connected to the most. Make no mistake, I found a lot of emotional resonance in what this film is doing with these two actresses. Stephanie Husu has, or Husu has one of the biggest challenges out of this entire cast. The level of just like how she's able to switch from this really dark performance to this almost like a, a not easygoing, but this lively kid performance. She's got to bounce between light and heavy emotion in a very quick, effortless way. And yet she is able to do it. She does it so effortlessly. Best supporting actress, maybe? I mean, come on. I mean, we are getting so many good performances here. I've got to mention Kaihu Kwan, who was in, I mean, come on. He, he's in Temple of Doom. Guys, this is short round. Short round. Maybe the best part of Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom. I mean, come on. This guy's taking a break from acting uh, for, for some time now. This is his kind of return. And man, what a return to make. Because this may be my personal favorite performance. Maybe not the best performance, but it was my personal, personal favorite performance. Because good God. To me, this is the heart of the film. This was what I left the theater saying. That is what resonated with me the most. The relationship between Evelyn Wong and Waymond Wong, who are, who are these kind of estranged uh, uh, husband and wife. They're going through a rough period, or they have been going through a, rough, through a rough period for some time. And there is a lot of deep you know, layers you can go to with the relationship. But ultimately, without saying any spoilers, spoiler-free discussion, but one of the big themes of this movie is cynicism and pessimism versus, you know, kindness, right, and being good to others. How do you deal with your problems? Do you, do, do you deal with them by being a, a pessimist and trying to always be practical, always, you know, you know, being a pessimist, a, 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 you know, uh, in quotation marks, practical thinker. And this movie sees a lot of characters do that in a very cold way, a very heartless way. Those those uh, pessimistic, practical thinkers can oftentimes lose their soul, lose their heart in the process. Then you have the other side who choose to, to, to solve the problems through creativity and kindness to others. And Waymond Wong kind of represents that side. And there's a, a, a scene about, like, I don't know, a little bit past the midpoint of the movie where you get that realization. And Wayman Wong gives this monologue about how he obviously isn't perfect, but he chooses to, to solve his problems with being nice to others and uses to solve, tries to choose to solve them with kindness, right? And on the surface, yeah, that's a pretty, like, you know, like, oh, yeah, be kind to others. Duh, we've heard that before, Noah. What, what's so complex about that? I understand. I think you got to see this movie to understand just how deep that idea is. Because, honestly, I, I, I got tears in my eyes. When that scene happened, I, I, it was just a, a, just a, a 
a gut-punching, a, a beautiful moment. And, and because Hugh Quan is so good in this movie, he is playing at this time this very quirky, comical character. And at other times, you see that there's a, a tragedy to this character and how he's rejected by others, not appreciated, but yet he's always trying to make the nice and uh, thoughtful and kind way to get out of these issues. He's kind of this uh, pacifist character. And, you know, I, I have like a couple things like sometimes pacifism does not always work. That's just my personal opinion. But I always think that that's the first thing you should go to. How can I diffuse this situation without trying to incite violence? I think that that is the most important thing to do. Like instead of going straight with your fists, think with your head, right? I think that's a pretty basic idea, but you have to start off with kindness, right? And that is kind of what this character is going for here. What Wayman Wong is trying to say is he goes through a lot of problems in this movie. There are a lot of issues are thrown at him, but he is always trying to make the kind move, the nice move, right? Or, or just a good decision, right? A lot of characters they come across a problem and they do it through violence. They're bitter. They they lose. They, oh, every almost every character loses their heart at some point in the movie, be, because of the decisions that they've made in the past. What's happened to them? And a lot of this movie is dealing with the consequences of your choices. Uh, the main character has to face several times decisions that she made in the past that have made her existence a very bland and uh, a kind of depressing existence, right? And she sees through the multiverse, it, it's almost this way of her looking at all these other possibilities if she hadn't made that decision. She could have been this. She could have been that. She could have had fame, success. You know, she could have had all of these things. But because she made certain decisions in her life, that is no longer an option to her. And it gives her this bitterness at some point. And to me, it was a very fascinating way of using the multiverse. I didn't know that how deep of, of a way this movie was going to be using the multiverse as like a thematic tool. And I think that, like, you know, Doctor Strange 2, it looks good, guys. It looks really good. I don't think it's going to be anywhere near the level that this movie is because, <laughs> I mean, come on. The way that they use the multiverse as like a thematic tool for these characters and give them a certain like way to reflect it's just like it's super creative i wouldn't have thought of it yet it's so perfect and well executed that it it makes this film stand out to me and it's going to stand out i think when we look back on this year we're going to see that as one of the most innovative films we've gotten this century i, I honestly believe that i mean it is just that level of creativity is so rare to find nowadays and this movie is full of it just from top to bottom these performances are full of it and the visual style i mean the this is an action film like almost reminiscent of kurosawa films but also bruce lee john wick i mean there are just so many types of action that this film is blending together to make this perfectly executed action scenes that i honestly just i loved watching the like i mean at some point a, a character uses a, a fanny pack as a weapon. And there are just so many instances where I loved the level of creativity this movie went to with its with its action. And man, the the cinematography here, I 
as somebody who loves beautiful films and good cinematography, this film is is just so pleasing to me, and it makes me so happy because it, from the opening shot, you know that you are in the hands of a, of directors and a cinematographer who knows what they are doing, right? They know what they're doing, and the, these shots are just so incredible to me. Certain sequences are unlike anything I've, I've, I've ever seen in a film, and you you know that I mean this was a probably had a, a decent sized budget. But this, like, I love Avengers Endgame, but this looks infinitely better than Avengers Endgame, right? Which cost, like, I don't know, like a billion, half a billion dollars, something like that. Like, a huge amount of money. I don't even think this movie cost half that. It's insane to me these certain filmmakers are able to take, use nothing and make it something. And I, I love what that is what A24 directors do, is they take this low budget and they make the best films, the best looking films out there. And with not even half of what the average blockbuster costs. That's what filmmaking is all about to me. I don't need a big budget. I just need a good story and a camera. And I can go make something special that's going to impact people. That's what this film is doing. And that's why I connected with it so deeply. It's got a couple things that I didn't like. I mean, it's got the occasional, uh, I don't know, like thematic beat that I didn't agree with morally, but you know you're gonna have that in films, and I've had and I've, I had an interesting dilemma recently with certain things in movies that I don't agree with, that I I don't necessarily endorse, but it's becoming a lot more apparent in movies, and I've kind of had to sit back and think, to what degree am I gonna go along with this, and I think that you know. If you know what you can believe in and can, you know, look past that and appreciate other aspects of the movie, and if you're having a good time, I think that that's okay. But also, like, I, I'm trying to make sure that that I don't excuse these movies too much. There were some things in this movie I didn't agree with, but that's okay, right? I don't have to agree with everybody on everything. Right now, do I agree with Disney putting, you know, like 50% of their characters – LGBTQ in their films? No, necessarily. Not that, but that's not an artistic choice. That's a CEO or, or a COO saying, this is not about creativity. This is about, you know, this is about enforcing certain ideas and certain beliefs on like children. That's completely different. If there's something in a movie you don't agree with and it's like, I don't know, rated R, well, then yeah, you're an adult or you should have a mature. Brain thinking capacity, or have some sort of ideals formed. When you're a kid, you don't have any like a perception of what's right and what's wrong. That's stuff that your parents are trying to teach you. That's up to them. That's not up to a company. That was my problem with the Disney thing. With there being certain things in everything, everywhere, all at once that I didn't agree with. Well, you know what? That's okay because because they're not really trying to enforce anything on me. They're just putting something in their film that, while I may not agree with it, that's okay. I can look past that and look at all the other creative, fantastic things that this movie does in terms of its its directing, its acting, its music, its storytelling, its themes. I mean, my gosh, I haven't been so deeply touched by a film in a long time where the, the level of emotional depth this movie was going to 
with all of this fun flash with the multiverse, but also this deep reflection, this regret, this bitterness over past choices, and this resentment that a lot of characters are feeling that they're going to have to move past at some point. And man, like I said, with uh, with a short round talking about making the decision that's kind, man, that something about that just really hit well with me. And I know that it sounds like a basic thing to get you know emotional on, but that w- that came out of left field to me. And it's handled in such a beautiful way. I think that the people who have seen this film know what I'm talking about. It's such a deeply impactful thing. And I don't even know exactly how the Daniels fully got it all together because this is such a massive two and a half hour film. I I mean, it's stuffed. Like it is stuffed visually. The the cast, it's it's a big cast. And then it's got all these other components that they got to deal with the story, all of these confusing, you know, plot lines that they've got to wrangle in. And they do it. That's the incredible thing. It's one of the greatest juggling acts I've ever seen. And while at certain instances I wasn't in love with what the movie was doing, I don't think that this is going to – this isn't my favorite film of the year, right? But it's, I think this is going to be one of the best films of the year looking back. And I can't wait for it to come out on, on VOD so that I can rewatch it, study it. Well, I'm going to watch this movie a couple more times, honestly, when I get the chance because I just – it's one of those films that I am going to have a fun time dissecting and, and revisiting I think that when I return to this movie a second time, I'm going to love it even more. Some of the things I didn't quite catch or necessarily go along with originally, I can see myself enjoying them a lot more on a second viewing. So I'm very excited to return to this movie again. If this sounds like, if this creative experience that's going to be weird and bonkers, if that sounds interesting to you, go for it. If it doesn't, I'm going to say you should still go for it because I'm always about people getting out of their comfort zone. There's a lot of comfort zones that people are stuck in. I think you should break out of your comfort zone once in a while. And I think this is one of the best films you can do that. Go have that weird experience. I think you're going to at least appreciate what this movie is going for. It's a really unique experience, guys. I highly recommend you do it. There's a couple things I didn't like, but overall, this is one of the most strong films that I have seen in quite some time. Honestly, just a a, a real beautiful film here, and I and I think that if you guys go see it, you're going to at least appreciate what this film is doing. Now, as much as I liked everything, everywhere, all at once, I believe I have saved the best film for last. I don't think that a lot of people are going to agree with me on that point. Everything, everywhere, all at once. As I said, I'm going to have to give it a, a couple more rewatches, honestly. So my initial reaction from both has The Northman being my favorite of the two. Now, maybe with, with rewatches, reflection over time, maybe that's going to change, right? But, oh my gosh, Robert Eggers. Guys, I'm calling it right now. This dude is going to be one of the all-time filmmakers of the century. I mean, this guy is continuing to make... He's got three films. They're all classics, right? Northman, this is going to be a classic. Lighthouse was a classic, and The Witch was a cult classic. Maybe that Now, maybe cult classes, right? But nevertheless, he's made films that a, that a lot of people have jumped on board with, and this guy has had three bangers in a row, and I haven't seen The Witch, but I'm speaking from a, you know, a more 
just a, a giving it a wide, a wider view, right? He is really making films that are a lot of people are latching onto, really loving. And I saw the lighthouse, really did like it. I didn't love it, I think, as much as many people did, but I had a deep appreciation for how beautiful of a film it was, how well directed it was. And of course, you've got the great performances from Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. It's a really solid film. One of the top A24 films, for sure. This is not an A24 film, which surprised me a little bit. This is a Focus Features film. And from the jump, the first trailer comes out. My dad and I were on board for this movie. I wasn't expecting my dad to get on board with this project. I knew this was going to be something I would like, I think, or at least have some interest in seeing. My dad saw the trailer, and he was like, son, we're going to go see this movie. And I was surprised, but delighted that I was going to be able to go see this film with my dad. We went to go see it Friday, and man, we both had an incredible experience, I think. I mean, it's a different one, for sure, and these are both, you know, everything, everywhere, all at once in the Northman. These are both highly, you know... uh, um, artistic films, right? The I mean, The Northman was kind of sold as an action film, straight up action. There are some incredible action sequences in this film, for sure, that I was just like, holy cow, that is insane. Uh, it is insane how they did that. And while those elements are there, a large portion of this movie is going to be a, a very spiritual and primal theme. And I don't know if that's going to be something that a lot of people are going to latch onto or are going to get on board with necessarily. Uh, I think my dad is uh, very uh, intellectual than a lot of people when it comes to films. He's able to suspend, you know, whatever love he has for, for action films to occasionally jump onto an artistic film. I mean, uh, he absolutely loved Pig and Dune. Uh, and he even had an appreciation for The Green Knight. I wanted this movie to connect with him more than The Green Knight because I did sense that that film was a little too much for him. And in a way, that is perfectly understandable. We both left feeling like it was just an excellent blend of beautiful artistry, but also a a very intense action film in several several portions of this film. It's got its, its more reflective and quiet moments. But it's also got these incredible uh, big budget sequences that, you know, they're not Fast and Furious. But, I mean, this is definitely Robert Eggers' biggest budget to date thus far. And what's kind of disappointing is that this film is having a a good reception critically. But it's not having a good reception box office-wise. Not a lot of people are showing up. I thought that this might have a shot at being a, a... a successful film financially. Our theater was was pretty full. I mean, there were a couple like seats that weren't filled, and you know, obviously you've got those two front rows. But other than that, I mean, uh, quite a lot more people showed up to this to this viewing than I expected. And I, I I'm wondering if it's perhaps the fact that this film was sold as a action film or marketed like that. At least it was marketed as an action film. And it's and it's not that exactly. There's a lot more to this movie than that, and I think that maybe people like are recognizing that and not wanting to go see it now. I'm not sure what the deal is. 
I want people to go see this movie because it's a unique vision by this uh, incredible director who has done some great work so far and is going to probably continue to do great work in the future. I can't wait to see what this guy does next. This has got to be one of the most exciting directors I, that is that has come recently. I mean, he, he just his films excite me so much uh, because they have this great artistic thrill to them, but they've also got these just like like sequences with Willem Dafoe that are just like crazy awesome. And I love what he's doing right now. I hope that he continues this streak that he's got going. Because, man, this is a, a director who I, I love how artistically creative he is, but also how um, just not enjoyable, but like he's not too like like pretentious artistic, I would say. A lot of a lot of uh, directors can get pretentious with the level of, the level of artistry that they go to. I don't think that Robert Eggers is doing that. He's got he's had a very good balance of artistry and you know, like uh, mass audience viewing. And The Northman is by far his most audience accessible film in terms of the enjoyment they're going to be able to have from it. I really do see many more people enjoying The Northman than something like The Lighthouse, for example. But the, the fact remains, not a lot of people are showing up to this film. That is disappointing. But let's get to the film itself because I've always, I've always loved Viking Viking culture, not, not like the culture necessarily, but I've loved, you know, Norse mythology. I've read a couple books on it. I I love it, and then I also just love that uh, that era or and that time of, of of Vikings, right? I've been meaning to go uh, watch the Vikings show. Uh, I think it's a very fascinating era and a in a very interesting time, right? And I don't think that we've necessarily had a definitive Viking film. This is it. Hands down, The Northman is the definitive Viking film. I can't think of another one that comes to mind. It's got these very history-based elements where you could tell Robert Eggers and the production team, costume designers, they spent a lot of time crafting this look uh, for the costumes, the set design, the... um, almost the way the world is run you, you kind of get the way in the the way these tribes work and so forth the way characters interact this would be how it was if you were in that viking era but what i love about robert eckers is that he adds this almost supernatural element to it where these characters will have this mo- these almost like spiritual moments where Maybe in this world, the what Vikings believe almost feels very real, or at least it's real to them. And Robert Eggers is putting it, putting us in their boots, right? Or I don't even know if these a lot of these people don't wear boots, but you get what I'm saying. We're we're being put in their shoes, and in to the Vikings, you know, Zeus, oh, or not Zeus, Odin, my bad, <laughs> different different mythology. Um, but to Odin, Thor, Loki, these were all real to them. These were real. And there's a couple sequences where you are fully aware of that and how embedded it is in their religion, their culture, the way they go about life. You can tell that Robert Eggers spent a lot of time researching that, making his film fit fit history in the best way possible. And in a, not a very well-recorded time, 
Robert Eggers has made a film that feels very close to what it would have been like and how how that that time and that world must have been run and it's crazy it's brutal it's it's very animal like it is not a very like human film when these people are more close to animals than they are the common per, than they are the common way we think of humans i mean it's it's the level of brutality and of primal rage or emotion shown by a lot of these characters is very intense and very real. And I connected with that. I connected with the raw emotion, particularly our main character played by Alexander Skarsgård, the level of rage that this person is clearly feeling at the world, at at these people who uh, took his father away from him in, in, in a physical sense and just in terms of killing him and then took his mother and also took his kingdom that he was uh, apparently, you know, in his eyes, the rightful ruler of. And, and obviously I think that the audience sees it that way as well. Um, I connected with his journey in, in a in almost a primal sense. It's not very deep, right? I mean, this isn't a complex story necessarily. It has twists and turns that caught me off guard, but this is a very much basic story and for like a revenge movie and i love i I have an appreciation for revenge films right i I mean kill bill you know mad max when a revenge film when a revenge film works it works and i can really latch onto a good revenge movie this is one of the best revenge movies i have seen and the the level of simplicity is what works to me all i gotta know this guy his father was killed his mother was taken his kingdom was stolen and he wants to go get it back. He wants revenge. The, boom! You've got Noah in. That's all I need to, to get into your movie. And I I feel like Alexander Skarsgård perfectly embodies the rage that this person should feel. I mean, there are moments in this movie where he is just screaming. And you the, the level of emotion, of pain, and rage that you get just from that little moment is uh, it's really good acting and I didn't know Alexander Skarsgård had that had that in him but uh man he does a, a great job with his performance it's he does exactly what he needs to do and on the surface it's a very like simple role but he has to convey a certain intensity with this character the the primal state that he is in in just like he knows nothing else but rage, and you really do buy that over the course of this film. He, there's a line in that movie that he knows nothing but but rage and pain, and boy, do you buy that by the end of this movie? That this is a this is somebody who is living in just a a world of pain and rage. No, I've got to go back to Robert Eggers because I mentioned he's making these movies that I think are really engaging. The story is really good, but I I've yet to mention. Just how good he is at creating these beautiful-looking films. Now, it's a lot different from Everything Everywhere All at Once, which was just bursting with color, right? This is a lot different. The Northman is a very dark movie full of grays in the occasional, like, orange and red, right? And green. <laughs> like, it's, it's very sparse. Mostly, it's a gray color palette. But he's 
capable of making this incredibly crafted film visually from a visual standpoint. I mean, this has got to be one of the best looking films that I have seen recently. I mean, right up there with everything everywhere all at once and maybe not quite at that level, but I mean, come on like that. This is insane directing. I mean, he just grays and blacks are not necessarily the most exciting colors for a movie, but the way he composes these shots in certain sequences throughout the movie, I was just wowed by his uh, talent for for the shot. And the movie opens up with this like shot of a volcano, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like that's an incredible shot. I I love good cinematography and I love good shots. This film is full of them. I loved how Robert Eggers used the camera. I just love when when blacks and whites or, or grays, sorry, when grays work really well. In a movie, I think that the effect can be uh, almost chilling, in uh, and just how much it impacts the mood and and theme of your film, and just the style that you're going for. I think that Robert Eggers really did hit the nail on the head in that sense, in just terms of being able to make this a visually and spectacular film. I mean, just every shot is fantastic. He is continuing to evolve as a filmmaker. I don't know if this is perhaps as like beautiful or like wowing as something like The Lighthouse, which was just so on another planet with its visuals just because of the, the square ratio and you know the, the way that that film was shot is completely different from The Northman, but it, it does feel like of one piece just because of... Uh, of his style. I, I love his style. I, I want to reinstate that. I I cannot wait to see what this guy does next because he has a certain style to him that is so different from anything that I'm seeing from any other filmmaker out there. And that has me very, very excited for what he's going to do in the future. And I, I want to bring it back to the story here because while I said that this is not exactly the most like complex story it has these twists in terms this primal story i really did connect with it i was i was surprised and i could tell my dad was too by the level of uh of almost supernatural it went to whether that's all in the character's mind or or what i'm not sure i i don't really think it is i i i feel like we're almost in a world where all of the Norse mythology stuff in this world that is real, and I mean we have these. If you've seen the trailer, you know there's a certain sequence with a Valkyrie that gave me chills. I mean, certain uh, something that I love is like when we get like a certain like dream sequence or something where it's just like, holy cow! I did not expect. I did not expect that necessarily and and it's it feels like almost completely different from what you were watching up until that point where all of a sudden boom you're in this completely unique experience a lot of it does feel like it is in a dream but then there are certain moments where i'm like is this a dream i'm not sure uh, I, i'm interested in returning to this movie as well just to dissect those moments and and seeing what exactly robert eggers is going at i just really appreciate how he is kind of putting us in the shoes of these vikings because to them all of this stuff is real. Obviously, that's not really the case. The Earth isn't flat, and it's not surrounded by a tightened eyelash, right? <laughs> that's that's not the case. But 
I just I do love the 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 way that he injects Viking culture and mythology into this film. It makes it feel real and grounded in a sense which is not exactly the best word to use for this film, but in a way I, I just really do respect the level of commitment that he had to making this feel a, a part of the Viking world. Do I think that this film is going to be for everybody? No. I, I talked about the action scenes, the level of brutality that they have. It, it honestly shocked me and it shocked my dad. And I've, I've, I've seen violent moments in film. I'm not saying this is the most violent film I've seen, but uh, it's got some crazy moments. It's got some crazy moments that I was not expecting. And I knew we were going to see some stabbing and so forth, but the film took it to a different level than what I thought it was going to be going in. So fair warning for that. If you're going to see this movie, it's it may not be for everyone. And also just the supernatural stuff, the way the film is edited and the way that the storyline moves around, it's it may not be everybody's cup of tea. It was my cup of tea, though. This was exactly what I wanted it to be. I was very impressed with what Robert Eggers did. He, like Everything everywhere all at once and The Northman, they're both driven by these incredible directing jobs that blew me away. That makes me so happy to see. I, I love when a directing uh, when a directing job just knocks me out of the park. I think those are some of the best experiences to have, particularly in a theater. I love seeing the Northman in the theater. I love seeing everything everywhere all at once on the big screen. I'll see him again at my home, but man, I loved having that theater experience. And you know, like I said, guys, the the big takeaway I got from both of these films is the unique creativity they had from the directors and the cinematographers, the writing, the story, even though The Northman has a simple story, it, it somehow, like, it, 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 it transcends a simple revenge story to, a, to revenge a father and a mother. It is something a lot more than that. It, it, it's dealing with this kind of primal, uh, almost animal-like nature that is, that is in all of us, pretty much. We all kind of have that raw type of tendency at times. Um, and I was really uh, fascinated with the way that the Northmen tackled that. It's a very fascinating theme and one that I I cannot wait to return to. I love what Robert Eggers did with this film. Strong recommend for both of these films, guys. Go see them. I expect they will be in that like top 10 for me by the end of the year. Because if there's better films than this, in the future, I, I, my goodness, I, I, this is shaping up to be a really good year. We were in a bit of a slump. Then we had Ambulance. Then we had Everything Everywhere All at Once. And then we had The Northmen. And, man, we're starting to get some really good films again. Uh, we got Doctor Strange 2 coming next month. Things are looking good. Summer's starting to come in. School's almost out. The podcast is going to keep going. We got a lot to talk about. And I did want to briefly mention, since I'm on the topic of, you know, A24 with everything everywhere all at once and Robert Eggers, who made The Lighthouse, we recently got – we got the trailer today for um, uh, Bodies, Bodies. And I think the only name here that I recognized was Pete, was Pete Davidson. Uh, I I don't really know him very well. I've seen a bit of his stuff on SNL. I think he's pretty funny. But this is a, a new A24 film, and – it's almost it's this modern day whodunit, and it's not like Knives Out. It's it's very much a teen 
or young adult centric whodunit. And they're almost set like, it looks like, the, from what I gather from the trailer, it looks like they're at this party and there's a murder, right? If you know, you know who done it is, it takes place in this house, right? And if this kind of have like a thriller comedy type of vibe, I actually chuckled at a couple of these jokes. It looks like it can be a good time. It doesn't strike me as what's going what, as what's going to possibly be the best A24 film this year with everything everywhere all at once. That's very likely going to be the top of the pile. Even though we've got an Alex Garland film, you know, men looking very cool. I'm excited for that as well. I don't see any A24 film this year beating that film. But this looks like a lot of fun, and I'll, I'll have to give it a watch at some point. I don't know if it'll be a theater experience. I'm just not sure. Maybe. Maybe I can say that, but this is something I I, I want to see. I'm I'm hoping to give this a watch at some point. I, I'll likely see it before you know we get to the official wrap up for the year. Whether it'll be a, a theater viewing, I'm not sure. But I I did think this trailer looked good. It's got a lot of promise. Didn't strike me as an A24 film, but at the same time, the kind of level of craziness it went with in terms of like comedy, just in terms of like how ridiculous it was. I mean, these characters. They've got like life and death stakes, pretty much. But it's kind of a movie poking fun at largely late teen girls and young adult girls, <laughs> which honestly, some of the jokes had me cracking up a little bit. And even Pete Davidson, I found pretty funny. And he's also playing a type of a stereotype as well. The movie plays with a lot of different stereotypes. I mean, See the trailer, you'll get what I'm talking about. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, I I think this is going to be a comedy that may actually work. So uh, I'll stay tuned for that. I don't know if I'll be, be bringing a weekend of release review for that, but we'll just have to see. I also do want to announce on Friday, we've got Ozark wrapping up. I don't know how quickly I'm going to watch those six episodes. Very quick secession, though. I do not intend to drag it out. It's going to be quick. I'm going to go through them pretty pretty speedy, whether it's one day, two days, or three days. I'm not sure. But, man, guys, I am so, so, so hyped. I Ozark is one of my favorite television shows, hands down. And I think some of the best television rivals some of my favorite movies. So, in, ter in terms of entertainment... I think it's one of the best things out there. Guys, if you've seen Ozark part one of season four, that was crazy. That was some wild stuff. You can go back to that episode of me talking about it. I was just stunned by how it left off. I want this show to wrap up in a spectacular fashion because so far it's on track to be the best season of the show. I'm always ner nervous when it comes to the wrap-up of a show. You know, Better Call Saul is also wrapping up this year. I'm hoping that they wrap up with a good ending as well. Shows, sometimes they don't end very good. I'm really hoping that Ozark wraps up well. I will bring you guys a review for that soon. And also, I got to go see Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent at some point because that looks like a lot of fun. One that I'm really going to be uh, interested in seeing. I've laughed at the trailers multiple times. It's looking fun. Hopefully, I will go see that soon. So that's what is coming soon on the episode, on, on, on future episodes. Thank you for listening, guys. I always appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that episode. As always, MovieManiacs2020 at gmail.com. Five stars on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. 
give us feedback. As always, I greatly appreciate how I can improve this show. Anything, guys. I'll take any criticism. I just want to make this show better and uh, more entertaining for you guys. So if you have any suggestions, please let me know. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you guys real soon.